in our culture here in the U.S., people have been taught that the only touch that adults can share who aren't related, it's not your kids, right, is sexual touch. So if we're taught to have this really limited sliver of understanding of how adults can share affection, then then you're going to think, well, cuddling's before or after sex. So y'all are, you know, it's all underground. You know, it's a wink, wink. It's really not cuddling. It's where it evolves into something else. And the truth is, is our work is platonic from beginning to end. This is Meredith For Real, The Curious Introvert, and I'm Meredith. I explore the questions people think but don't ask out loud, either because they're taboo or thanks to cultural hypnosis. My mission, and yours if you choose to accept it, is to inspire curiosity by exploring the nuance and paradox of our world. Each episode is different, so bring your ADD and your earbuds and have a look around. Hey, Curiositors, it's me, Meredith. Welcome to my 2022 Love and Relationship series. If you're a loyal listener, you already know that this is not your typical personal development podcast. And that's the idea, right? Expand your worldview beyond the algorithm, find lessons in unlikely places, and lead with curiosity. So this series is, of course, not your typical men are from Mars type of content. I love what my guest has to offer because I ask myself, would I ever pay for a cuddle? Also, I never thought to try different cuddle positions. I may or may not be tracking delivery on a cuddle sutra book. Also, cuddling as a side hustle? I mean, if you're a massage therapist or energy worker or maybe even a sex worker, this might be an interesting option for you. Anyway, if you're new here, I'm glad you're here. These sorts of curious ramblings are definitely part of the package. I started this podcast as a project to inspire people to choose curiosity over judgment. Each guest brings a personal development opportunity along with their story so you can stay curious and grow. There's no specific order to listen to episodes, so have a look around and hit play on whatever grabs your attention. All right, enjoy the show. Have you ever met someone who just gives great hugs? What about someone who gives amazing shoulder rubs or is an A-plus cuddler? My next guest makes cuddling her business, literally. She's the founder of The Cuddle Sanctuary, the Los Angeles destination for touch-positive events and professional cuddling since 2014. No, I'm not kidding. She's shared her snuggle know-how on shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians and The Bachelorette. Today, she's going to tell us what a professional cuddler does and doesn't do and share why we should have more touch in our lives. Culture shifter, cuddle queen, not drama queen, hug homegirl, Jean Franzblau. Thanks for coming to the show. <laughs> so nice to spend this time with you. <laughs> so I am curious, Miss, Miss Cuddle Queen Jean, what inspired you to start the Cuddle Sanctuary? I was doing a lot of traveling and feeling lonely on the regular. I was a road warrior. And one time I was looking through an in-flight magazine and saw grown-ups in pajamas laying around, smiling and snuggling with each other. And uh, it, it, it awoke a yearning in me, this idea of people being sweet with each other um, in this unique way that was so sweet. Like just there's a lot of kindness and silliness and playfulness in it. And at the time, 
there was nothing like that that I could find in the Los Angeles area. And so I just kept longing and wondering and waiting for something. And eventually I found a meetup group. It was a sex positive meetup group called Sex Positive Los Angeles. That was an aspect of my life I wanted to explore further and find more community in. And their orientation had a cuddle aspect to it. And I was like, wait a minute, somebody's going to guide this. This is really happening. Like I was psyched. I was psyched. And uh, it was it was structured in a way that was really simple and yet clear. And I found myself that evening spooning with somebody in front of me and somebody behind me. And let me tell you, those conversations were not small talk. It was what I would call big talk or deep talk. It was these people I just met, we were sharing at such depth. Um, I felt blissed out. I had no idea about the, the science, about why I felt blissed out, what chemicals in my brain were flooded by the, the soothing touch. But I remember not caring what time it was when I left. And I'm usually such a very precise person, you know? So I was just like high on the cuddle chemical, slept deeply that night and woke up. And I just remember like, I was like, I was good. I feel connected. I feel part of community. I woke up alone, but I still, I just felt connected and well, there was a wellness that I hadn't had in my life at the time. And I was quite hooked. I had a background, a corporate background in training, communication skills, stuff like that. So I knew that I could reverse engineer that, that I could, I, that I could organize something like that myself. And so I start, I volunteered right away and started putting together my own events. And then as you, know, you mentioned, I've been doing this since 2014. So I began uh, testing and trying and failing and succeeding like a laboratory, like, like a scientist to find out the social, um, what it took to bring strangers together safely to do this type of thing with each other and got really, really good at it and designed a, a whole practice and community around it called Cuddle Sanctuary. That's amazing. I mean, as an introvert, you had me at no small talk and sleep. Like I'm sold already. <laughs> you know what I mean? Done and done. I Small talk is is a bore to me. It's actually exhausting yes. and not fun. And, and uh, uh it's not, I'm not into it. So the idea of being able to, to quickly move into depth with people was a real calling. So I think in our culture, we see cuddling as like the dessert of life, of human interaction. You know, it's after sex, it's while you're watching a movie, it's like a treat. But you've implied that it's an important and critical part of the human experience. So you know, you mentioned the science. What is the science that makes it so critical? Yeah, well, just to help folks sort of think about it, rather than thinking of cuddling, which some people think of like is an, infant, an infantile activity or a sexual one, think of it as hugs or holding hands. So simple, soothing human interactions, rather than thinking of it as such this advanced thing, like this weird thing adults are doing. Right. So, so what what is it? What is the science behind holding hands and especially hugs? It's oxytocin, which some scientists do call the hug hormone. Oxytocin uh, is released in mammals. So all the feel-good feelings I might feel, so does a mouse, so does your dog, so does a cat, uh, and, and horses, etc. And, and this is what we have evolved to help us to come together. 
The feel-good hormone helps us to cooperate and coordinate and connect. And frankly, the way I'm imagining it happened is that that is how humans evolved to survive, is that we felt good when we were together, we cooperated, and we were better at hunting, we were better at gathering, we, were, we survived as a species because of this, this uh, evolution of our bodies. So we're built for it. Huh. And yet in the past period of time, our brains sometimes like, <laughs> sometimes humans come up with ideas that are not workable and separating people into family units rather than larger communities. Mm, that's not super workable. Cubicles, separating us from each other. Not so workable. A pandemic allows us to understand that when we're separate from each other, we don't do well. That's so being so in physical proximity of other human beings and receiving the wellness benefits of connection is an important aspect of wellness. What does it feel like when we don't eat or well, we starve to death or don't drink we're thirsty and might even die? When we don't have shelter, we're cold and we could get sick. But when we don't have soothing human touch, we just feel crappy. I want to put a like a pin in that or just say, or like a carrot in that st statement. When I say we, I don't mean everyone. Some of us have had touch trauma where soothing touch actually feels dangerous and, and gets fear going on in the body. And so please, when I say we, I mean many of us, but possibly not everyone listening. But I'll stop there because that, that was a lot. Yeah. No, that was really great. Um, I think that that's the most positive version of tribal behavior I've ever heard. Um, and it makes so much sense. And I'm glad that you mentioned COVID as well, because since the pandemic, you know, we're told to keep our distance. And so I feel like cuddling is like this double-edged sword of, um, gosh, we want to, you know, be safe and not potentially make other people sick. But also, um, I, th I thought I remembered hearing that oxytocin or maybe some other combined chemical benefits from those touching, you know, from that interaction creates immune boosting benefits. Is that true? Yeah. Have you read that? <laughs> That's true. And that is such a paradox, isn't it? It is. We get immune boosting when we receive the soothing touch that, that our bodies are built for, and yet we're supposed to be separate from each other. So how do we navigate that in these weird times? And what I recommend is like having a pod or building a pod, your pandemic pod, your germacule. These are folks that you have a trusting relationship with that you can discuss habits. How do I do life? How many people do I interact with? What's my job? Did I choose to be vaccinated? Um, how many people, do, how do I do my masked and unmasked life, if at all? Am I washing my hands regularly? And that is why how cuddle buddies can determine if this is somebody, if, if, they're, if this is a safe choice. It's about being not, completely risk-free. It's about being risk-aware mm. and balancing risk with wellness, right? And so I even created a class during all of this called that, called, you know, find a COVID safe cuddle buddy with a spreadsheet. So people who are into lists can have a conversation about like, what we can, what do we as a team just consider dangerous behavior that we won't do? And what, what do we consider fine behavior that we don't even have to tell each other about? Like, being masked and food shopping. We don't have to tell each other about that. But the idea of visiting or going on a plane, let's discuss it. Yeah. So it's not easy. This is not 
easy. But you're speaking my language. I mean, we've covered no small talk naps and now you're talking about lists. Like, be still my heart, Jean. (laughs) Clearly you are my people. So um, that's pretty exciting. Now, I love what you talk about, how you mentioned that it's about the communication in your uh, germacube, I think you said. Um, But also not everyone has the same touch preferences. And there's also a cultural dynamic. So internationally, do you have any feeling for the cult, the touchiest versus the least touchiest cultures? There was a, um, years ago, there was a researcher named Dr. Sidney Gerard, who did this study observing people uh, in their native environment at tea or coffee, coffee shops, that kind of thing. And the researchers would observe how often people would touch in a 60-minute period of time, uh, country by country. And at the time, like this is what the research revealed, that in England, people touched no times. And in the United States, they touched twice. And if you think about it, I'm in the U.S., I'm like, yeah, I could see that. Like, maybe a hug before, maybe a hug after. Right. Your tea. Perfect. And then in France, the researchers counted... 110 touches. In an hour? Yeah. <laughs> How did they do that? <laughs> they must have been like... Were they sitting on each other's laps? Like, <laughs> Right, exactly. That's my question. But, uh. So how, how do we take that and use that simple hack? Perhaps if you have a friend you're meeting that's in your germicule, you're meeting them for tea, maybe outdoors, to ask them to sit next to you rather than across from you. Yes, I love that. My, it's a, it's a I, I always do that to my husband. He's like, "Why? Why are you here?" <laughs> but I love it. I'm, I'm I love to be close. So I want to. I actually have a question about that. So let's get into some of the curious Q and As about cuddling and um and your cuddle sanctuary business. So when I cuddle with my husband, I get the zoomies. You know, like a puppy does, where they get excited and they run around all. Like I don't. Is that a thing? Am I just an oddball? Wait a minute. So you cuddle with your husband, and it like fills you with energy. It fills me with energy. I become an absolute geek, and I just get like a, like the puppy zoomies, or sometimes kids before bedtime they get the zoomies. I get the zoomies. That is amazing and (laughs) what that sounds like is joy and it literally sounds like it's a way for you to gain energy that is amazing and super interesting what uh, some of us in the cuddle world will say that we feel cuddle baked after spending a few hours cuddling uh, which is sort of a high And, and so many of us say you know we feel relaxed but also like spacey so much so that many professional cuddlers will say to especially first-time clients, maybe you don't want to get in the car right away. Really? Maybe you want to take a walk and sort of get grounded. <laughs> one, one client once said that he wandered into a food store not far from where my cuddle cottage is and found himself just wandering the aisles aimlessly. Like he was so blissed out. So it sounds like you get energized. Some folks get very blissed out and just sort of like, well, man, I joke sometimes <laughs> I sort of put my arm up and I'm like, it's time to get, <laughs> I joke that it's like, I call it vitamin T. Uh, I love it. But, but what's happening, I think in all the bodies or a lot of the bodies is that oxytocin releases when we're feeling safe, 
and we're getting that like an extended hug or hold hands. Um, people with breasts and with wombs um, can feel it when they're breastfeeding. People can get a boost of a lot of different hormones, including oxytocin when they make love. Mm -hmm. So these are altered states of consciousness that are number one, uh, the, that the that are natural and healthy versus taking a shot of tequila. Hey, Curiositors, just a quick pause to show gratitude to our sponsors and give you some special deals. I want to officially invite you to take your mind travel to the next level with the Get Lost podcast hosted by Joe Sills. He's a travel journalist who interviews world-class explorers like the folks you see on Discovery and Travel Channel. Each episode takes you on a new adventure in a new place. I especially like the episode Hostage in the Amazon. Add the Get Lost podcast with Joe Sills to your listen list today at getlostpod.com. Listen, if the last two years have given you a chronic eye twitch, you should consider trying medical marijuana. I highly recommend it. See what I did there? There's lots of ways for it to help you. So if you have questions and if you're the least bit curious, Google Empathic Practice Pensacola. It's the most non-intimidating way to get your medical card in Florida. Their in-house doctor and holistic support make them the easy choice. Empathicpractice.us if you've got backyard barbecue plans for 2022, but mosquitoes are not invited, I recommend Insec. I've been using their pest control service for several years now. They have a certified mosquito identification specialist on staff, and pollinator care is always top of mind. If you live in the Florida Panhandle or the Gulf Coast of Alabama, give them a call, ensec.net. The UWF Historic Trust. We shoot the show at the Pensacola Museum of History. It not only houses exhibits of lesser-known Pensacola history, it's an event space too. So if you need a unique space in downtown Pensacola for a fundraiser, networking event, or a corporate party, take a look at historicpensacola.org. And if you want to tour one of the 12 museums, get your tickets in person so you can show the agent one of my emails and get $2 off an adult ticket. Get emails by texting REAL to 66866. Now back to the show. So um, mental health hack. Yes. Yes. And I'm for it. So we've definitely established it's healthy. It's necessary. It's not... It's a necessity, not a nicety. So as far as professional cuddlers, tell me about who your clients are. Give me some examples of who typically hires a professional cuddler. Yeah. So I'm going to speak about my colleagues because right now, you know, I'm not practicing, but my colleagues around the country are there and I teach folks. So that is how I have my, so I just want to like give you a sense of who are these people. Um, one uh, so many categories. One real popular one are those who are not partnered, single, broken up, uh, widowed, in between relationships, not interested in a romantic relationship, and yet they know they're needing this human connection. Uh, th so that's a real common one, and folks who identify as been culturally called single. Another group are people who uh, are new in town. So we were, uh, we had, before the pandemic, we were, we had Airbnb 
and TripAdvisor uh, event. Like we would have our, our events posted there and just have people from around the world come and visit and just be so grateful to have an oasis of human connection because travel alone can be lonely. But also people have just moved in. They haven't yet found their people. They haven't found their clan. And yet they need human connection. I'm especially proud of people who are broken up and decide that it will not be good for them to get their touch needs met by launching themselves into another relationship when they're not ready. Hmm, that makes sense. I would never have thought of that. People are so smart. They they know themselves. So many so many people who come to Cuddle Sanctuary uh, know themselves that they're like, I know I have this need. I know I have this longing. And I know I'm not ready to be out there. Or, you know, and I want to speak really candidly about my own journey. Back in the day, there wasn't this language around platonic soothing touch amongst people. And uh, so I just thought that the only way to get kindness and affection was if I partnered or hooked up and had some sex so that I could get the cuddling. I assure you, I'm a very sexual person and sexuality is a wonderful part of the human experience, a sacred part in my estimation. But using it to get to actually what my real needs are can create very confusing moments and problems and trauma between people. And, you know, I wind up hurting my own feelings. I try to latch onto somebody and then get the cuddling and then, or not. That was, that was like the, my bottom, really is uh, I was traveling, lonely, hooked up with somebody. I really like went after them. And the truth is I was feeling quite depressed. It's just not the right headspace to be connecting in that way with somebody new. And, uh, you know, engaged in some sexuality and then was like, let's spoon. And the person said, I'm not going to do that. That's something I would do with a girlfriend. I got to go. And I was like, oh, ouch. Yeah. Oh, that's no good. (laughs) Ouch. And you might think that this person is a villain, but I hijacked his evening. Right. He didn't have like the boundaries to say when I was like, can I join you for dinner? Can I? He didn't have the boundaries to say, no, that's not what I want for my evening. And so he was, you know, it was bad. So would this be something that, um, you know, I'm thinking about widows and widowers and I'm thinking about Mm -hmm. um, military uh, spouses whose partners are deployed for long periods of time, um, you know, maybe people healing from trauma. Are any of those yes. examples of clients? Yes, this is great. So uh, when Cuddle Sanctuary was brand spanking new, uh, in walked Mark, who is a Cuddle ambassador. So we, I'm, it's okay for me to call him by name. And Mark let me know that his uh, spouse had died years before, and he longed for the connection. And even though this was weird to him, he wanted to try it. And he became an avid attendee and shares, you know, shares with people around, you know, wherever he goes, he would talk about cuddling and and the wonderful benefits that he got from it. So absolutely, yes. I'm thinking of another widow or or as well, um, where that, you know, similar story. And uh, in terms of folks in the military, um, what I'm not near a military base. Um, so I want to make that point, but folks who have PTSD have come to cuddle sanctuary looking for some support. 
uh, and looking to uh, find some solutions to, to, to problems that they're finding in their lives as they're trying to navigate non-military life, having felt a lot of trauma. And um, uh, so I just, so they have found us and with, you know, I, I would say like a cuddle event might be overwhelming for some and might just be too far a leap. Instead, working one-on-one with a trauma-informed professional cuddler could be a way to go. Oh, that's interesting. That, that's sure your cuddler is trauma-informed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how, you know, when you said it's no small talk, I love that. And then uh, what you just said made me think of counseling. So how does, how do these cuddle sessions not become a counseling session if the cuddler is not a certified mental health therapist? Great question. So one thing to keep in mind is that there are some therapists who are transitioning away from the rigidity of the certifying bodies of their states to do coaching so that they have the skills, but they're moving away from therapy into a coaching practice where they can also bring the somatic benefits or the body benefits of cuddling, that they're seeing the missing piece in talk therapy. Mm, okay. That's one thing. Uh, the next is that uh, many cuddlers are certified coaches or have other modalities of skill. Having said all of that, so in other words, there are people who have all kinds of multiple disciplines going. Having said that, how do we not overstep or move into territory that we're not qualified for? Number one is knowing that there are, for every professional cuddler who might be listening, like, I want to do this work, knowing when you are outside of your scope of skills is critical and referring out. So knowing all the, you know, knowing people in your community that offer services that are, uh, you know, psychotherapy services and, and, and others, and being able to refer out without any shame uh, is it because otherwise we can do harm accidentally. So, uh, and here's like a great practice that we teach in, in, you know, in Cuddle Sanctuary training is about listening, listening without advice giving. Mm. I think we can do great work if we follow where the client wants to go in terms of what they share, asking good questions, being respectful when the client doesn't want to go in a particular area. So being a skilled, empathetic listener, which many of us have those skills already, and certainly we can build upon them, is a wonderful skill for a professional cuddler. Great boundaries, love of people, skilled listening, and then the discipline not to advice give. Mm, That's a challenging one for those of us who like to fix things. That is. What a good skill to cultivate, though. Okay. I think a big question that everyone is wondering is how do these sessions not turn into sex? It's a great question. Uh, first of all, the reason it's such a great question is that in our culture here in the U.S., people have been taught that the only touch that adults can share who aren't related, it's not your kids, right, is sexual touch. So if we're taught to have this really limited sliver of understanding of how adults can share affection, then, then you're going to think, well, cuddling's before or after sex. So y'all are, you know, it's all underground, you know, it's a wink, wink. It's really not cuddling. It's where it evolves into something else. And the truth is, is our work is platonic from beginning to end. Um, so, so how do we bridge this and how do we teach our clients or work with clients who want to learn this platonic practice is talk candidly about it. 
And so, you know, on the welcome page of Cuddle Sanctuary Services, we just mention arousal and how to handle it. Um, because many people with penises get really worried because they do want to cuddle. They get what the service is, but they're like, well, what if my body responds? Right. Yeah. So, so it's important for professional cuddlers across the gender spectrum to know that a relaxed body, when a person has a penis and their body is relaxed, it simply might be a body response that has nothing to do with the person's intention. They might have like feel some embarrassment about it. And so knowing that is really important. And the other is having really good, um, uh, spidey sense to make sure that the client is not actually seeking a sexual service. So there are ways, there are little red flags, and I'm not. I don't think it's dangerous to be looking for for sexual you know, sexual services, but we call them red flags in our work because we're looking for clients that are right for the service. So do you and refer people out to sex workers? I personally do. I consider Cuddle Sanctuary a cousin practice to sex work. Why? We have a lot in common. We're meeting people for maybe an hour. We're meeting in private space. We're doing intimate work. Ours is platonic, so we're not working in genital energy, and it's, but it is affectionate and loving, and there's connection and touch. And we need to make sure that, uh, that we're making the right choice, that we're safe with our clients. So there's a lot that has in common with sex work. You might have thought that I would be like, no, I would never. Who are those people? <laughs> those people are... <laughs> They're doing a solid service and I'm a a sex work positive person who feels like it should be legalized intelligently Mm -hmm. around the world. There are so many people who cannot get access to um, the the relationship skills that it takes to build intimacy, uh, to bring sexuality into their day-to-day lives. And and should they therefore just like not be sexual beings or, or just, you know, have a very limited sexual scope, but it's just... There's, I mean, there's a great m- movie called, I think it's called Sessions or The Sessions, mm. starring Helen Hunt. And it shows a surrogate partner who is somebody who has studied to work with people in teaching them about sexuality and helping them open up their sexuality in a way that's legal in California and in other countries. Um, but but uh, she works with somebody who is very, very disabled. I don't know if he's paraplegic. But the point is, is like people who have disabilities deserve sex lives as well. And again, sometimes the only touch they receive is clinical touch. Very lonely. Right. Very lonely. Anyway, a lot to think about, right? That is a lot to think about. And I, excuse me, I love how it it brings up these thoughts. Um, And I want to talk more about the opportunity for personal development that's kind of baked into all of this. But um, I want to ask one more question in regards to the business side is, how do you keep the cuddlers and the clients safe? Is there background checks or other sort of screening that's involved to make sure that no one is put into a dangerous position? Yeah, you make a great point. So background checks, that can be misleading. Uh, people who, there are so many people who are incarcerated who don't belong in jail. There's so many situations where people are wrongly accused or there's just so so to have somebody be a felon like they don't get any cuddling these are the folks who need the cuddling the most so what is a background check so so but i but i get your point how do we stay safe and the answer is at least in my practice is to tr- you know i have a p- protocol called stay safe with eight and it's using intuition it's using paying close attention 
to the cues that I'm getting from a potential client. It's having a conversation with them, asking them questions, um, observe. There's a lot to observe to help me clarify whether a client is truly going to be a right match or not. And um, some professional cuddlers meet their clients in public only or meet their clients in public to assess how they feel before they choose to have a session with them or have a video chat. Like there's so many ways in which um, we can assess safety. I, so, and I want clients to be also be aware. Um, let the, let the customer beware, pay attention to your spidey sense, look to see if somebody has trained, has testimonials, has a social media presence over the course of years, for example, as ways to set, make sure that you are working with somebody who's working a practice that's ethical. Well, I love how, um, I don't know, I guess your approach seems very empowering. You're not just telling people yes or no. You're not just telling them what to do or not to not to do. It's very mm-hmm. much um, awareness oriented. So is that one of the, the baked in uh, lessons that we can learn from this that you've mentioned? Um, I think in other interviews, you've talked about how there's so much that we can gain life lesson wise from the idea of professional touch. Yes, we we do an activity called the ask and wait method. And we can do that when we work one-on-one with clients, if need be, we can do it in like group events. And, and that is where a person becomes, finds their body autonomy again, where they rediscover what their body is a yes to and a no to. As a woman, I've been taught to override my own sense of what I'm a yes to or no to, to sort of get by, to get along. And so I've received a lot of unwanted touch um, as many people do across the gender spectrum, but by getting, slowing down the conversation and not like, okay, let's just grab the person. Cause I feel awkward. Instead it's like, let's embrace the awkward and slow down asking, this is what I want being vulnerable about desire. I'd love to hug you. Is that okay? Rather than putting my arms out, like, I'd love to hug you. Is that okay? (laughs) And like the pressure of leaning towards the person, putting my arms out. That's a hard thing to say no to. But we train professional cuddlers and people who are come to events that we used to have um, how to accept a no to touch, how to ask, how to keep a body language neutral, and how to receive a no with grace and even gratitude. This can build trust between people. If I I say, can I have a hug? And the other person's like, no, wouldn't be good for me right now. Do you know why sometimes a hug isn't good for somebody right now? It's because they're trying to hold it together and they don't want to cry in public. Or they've just had a surgery and they don't want to get their shoulder, you know, they don't want to feel any pressure on their shoulder or many, many other reasons. But it helps for a person to strengthen their capacity to receive a no and to give a no. So we practice that kind of stuff. And I think these are life lessons that can serve us all. I think you just listed a goldmine of life lessons. I'm going to put those all together in a little uh, Cliff Notes version email the week that our episode comes out. So that that way uh, we can all remember those because those are gold, Jean. I love those. So as we mm-hmm. wrap up, would you share where people can find you if they want 
a cuddle session. And also if they're interested in maybe looking into becoming a professional cuddler as like a side hustle. Absolutely. So you can go to cuddlesanctuary.com and there are free lessons and even free webinars about learning this work, what this work is all about. You can find me on YouTube, Cuddle Sanctuary, also known as Cuddle Queen Jean, uh, with lots of free content where you can learn a lot simply from listening and watching and absorbing all of it. Lots of eye contact and fun stuff there. But also I have a certification program that's starting soon. And uh, it's coming close to having to close uh, the application period. So if folks are feeling jazzed about this and want me as a teacher, they can go to cuddlesanctuary.com and click on training. Oh, that's perfect. Thank you again. This was wonderful. I loved it. It was so great talking to you. Thanks for listening. If you've loved a couple of episodes of this show, I'd be so grateful if you could let others know by leaving a rating review on Apple Podcasts. Just share where you're listening from and why you liked a certain episode. And if you liked this episode, you'll also like the one about why boundaries and self-care in a relationship are important. That's all the way back to episode 15, an oldie but a goodie. Stay tuned next week when I share three stories from listeners of terrible dates and the lessons to learn from them. Talk to you then.